Hello everyone and welcome back to Digital Strategy Unlocked, our podcast for CCOs, CDOs, CIOs, CTOs and the executive rank to come here, take a breath, take a pause, step back and share and see the larger perspective. Today we are very excited about our topic, security in the digital customer journey. So we all know how data has grown, security is growing. I'm very excited to have our guest Abhay Solapulkar, who is the CCO of Sky High Security. Before we start, I'll hand it off to you, Abhay, to just do your intro, and then we'll get started into the topic of the day. Uh, good morning, uh, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, Deepak, thank you so much uh, for inviting me to this broadcast. Uh, really happy to be here, uh, share uh, the overall digitization that's happening in the industry and, and how security uh, plays a critical role. I am the chief customer officer at Skyhigh Security, and Skyhigh Security is a pioneer in data security, and we are also one of the key innovators uh, in the SSC, Secured Services Edge Landscape. So happy to be on the call with you and uh, look forward to further discussion. Thanks a lot, Abe. Before we get started, I know you are the chief customer officer at Skyhigh today, but You've had a very interesting career pathway, right? Support and escalations, headaches, I guess, to customer success, to CCO. What were the twists and turns? Kind of what shaped the pathways for you uh, to be where you are today? Uh, Deepak, great question. Uh, uh, You are absolutely right. Uh, This journey is filled with twists and turns. Uh, But at the core of everything is what are you passionate about? And I was always passionate about working with customers, solving their critical issues, and then how do we become a lot more proactive? And as the puck started heading to the cloud, it became more and more interesting that consumerization of services began to happen. Customers started looking at a lot of avenues of how to use your product as a service. And I was fortunate enough that uh, after my undergrad, I started as a tech support engineer And, you know, that actually set the tone in terms of what is the customer expectation uh, from your product? And those days, it was all about desktops, laptops, mini servers, microservice, mainframe. And from there, the evolution started more into peer-to-peer networking. And so for me, the passion continued to grow in terms of not only just looking at tactical issue resolution, but becoming a lot more consultative. And then from a technology uh, spectrum perspective, you started to take more in terms of how do you connect networks and then how do you connect people? And that's how ultimately, as the puck started heading to the cloud, as we started seeing proliferation of uh, services and more and more providers uh, providing these services, customer success began to take a lot of shape. And about 10 years back, I joined my first uh, cloud security company. Uh, I won't go into the details of the name, but it's one of the pioneers in the cloud proxy world. And working with the CEO, learned so many things. And that really shaped me in terms of how I started getting into more a customer success philosophy. Initially, Salesforce defined the initial customer lifecycle, which was very much focused more in terms of renewals motion and, and how do we uh, drive the overall renewals motion through product adoption? And some of those initial learnings ultimately led me to become a chief customer officer 
Yes, there are a lot of scars as you go through three plus decades of journey. But the thing that I feel really good about is getting the right colleagues, mentors, providing you some critical feedbacks through your journey has ultimately led to me become a chief customer officer at Sky High Security. Great, great. Thanks for that. I'm sure our listeners may have more on that down the road, but they will glean things from it. I love the moving the puck to the cloud and the consumerization of services and the connecting of people and networks. Let's dive into our topic for the day, uh, Abe. You know, security and digital customer journeys, both concepts have been around for a while. How do you see the interactions and the interdependencies between the two in the world today? Now, both are very excellent topics and very near and dear to me. And I'm sure as generations come around, we are going to see a change on both fronts. If you step back for a minute and just look at the digital transformation, the definition itself has changed dramatically in last decade or so. Today, digital transformation is more about how you integrate technology into all the business areas, fundamentally changing how you operate and deliver value to the customer. The other piece of the puzzle, which I think people uh, probably are now more aware about, is that it's a cultural change that requires organizations to continuously challenge the status quo, experiment, and get comfortable with failure. Because the word digital has been a problem. It means a lot to many people. Some say digital to one person is like going paperless. One might think of data analytics. One might even think of agile themes. And someone else might come back and say, oh, digital means open plan offices. And from a customer service perspective, people might think about, hey, this is all about providing services through chatbots and generative AI. So when I looked at the interdependencies, uh, for me, the first thing which became very, very clear was digital transformation should begin with a very clear problem statement. It is an opportunity and an aspirational goal as to why you want to digitally transform your organization and how that is going to overall improve the customer experience, reduce friction, increase productivity, or even elevate profitability. And once you define the digitization of those assets, what becomes increasingly critical is that how do you take care of these crown jewels, which is your data? How do you secure those jewels? And to me, whenever there is a huge transformation uh, that's happening, the first thing that comes to my mind is, hey, great, you've gone from paperless to something that is digital, but who has got access to that digital data? How is that access being prevented? Do we need to make sure that the access is available just in time? And this is where security becomes extremely paramount. And today's world, it's a boundaryless network. You don't have boundaries in terms of defining where I can work, where you can work. We all can be working while we're driving in our cars because Tesla has provided you the opportunity to go driverless. And that's going to be the norm of the future. You can work out of Starbucks, which means how I control the access in this digital world is going to be immensely critical. And that's where I worry that the proliferation of 
AI, which is going to be another piece of the digital transformation, how do you manage these digital services to generative AI where every services that is going to be created leveraging AI is not necessarily going to be a service that is secured? How do you bring in that security perspective um, in this landscape is going to be equally critical. And, you know, a business may take on digital transformation for several reasons. But ultimately, one needs to understand that securing those crown jewels is going to be very critical. And it's not about just in time. Probably if you go three years back, pandemic COVID-19 was truly a big driver in terms of how we were able to address remote connectivity for employees. A lot of us were used to coming to office and today the world has changed. We've become a lot more hybrid. Hopefully, uh, Deepak, this gives you a good view in terms of how I see a strong convergence between the transformation that we're going to drive and then how security becomes a very important element uh, that is ultimately going to take care of both access and how we secure data without compromising the overall user experience. Fantastic. There was a lot in there, Abhay. I really enjoyed that in-depth discussion. I want to make it clear in my head and also for our listeners, there were three or four things that I want to glean out and make sure. So number one was understand the aspirational goal with digital. It can mean different things to different people. You have to be clear. Number two was you're working in a boundaryless network like you gave the Tesla example. We could be working from anywhere, anytime, on any device, in any way. In that situation, how do you get security in in order to understand what are your crown jewels, what data is critical, who has access, and how do you enable that? Did I get that right from your perspective? Yes, that is absolutely right. Perfect. So then I think something, if you go a little deeper and you answered some of my next question in my mind, which was, hey, how will AI and Gen AI that is coming on get integrated with this? If you were to just step back and think, what would you say are like the top two or three things or maybe the top thing only in security that has evolved or changed from yesterday to today or tomorrow? Yes, I mean, that's a loaded question and I'll try and take a shot at that. If I go back years back, it was more like a motor and a brick. And once you control the access, everything was secured within the four walls of the organization. Unfortunately, or fortunately, the way you look at this, globalization in all aspects has changed the dynamics. Social media allows you to connect and interconnect with anyone and anywhere in the planet. Which means when you look at the security landscape, how do I know that the person I'm talking to the other end is a known entity? How do I know that the information that I'm sharing with this person is absolutely going to be secured or is it going to be wild, wild west? And this is where when I look at the top security trends, it is going to be very much driven by one is if you take from a device to cloud perspective, a device meaning it could be your personal device, it could be a corporate managed device, how do you secure the device? And securing the device means threat detection, threat analysis, threat remediation. And this is where AI and ML powered security vendors are going to make a tremendous play 
because there's a lot of data. There is billions and billions of terabytes of data and petabytes of data, which is very hard for humans to consume. And this is where your artificial intelligence, ML, generative AI, all of these capabilities are truly going to become a lot more critical. That I definitely see as one of the critical trends from a threat analysis perspective. The second area, Deepak, which will be very interesting, and you and me have grown up with this, is in our historical world, the best way to connect to corporate was through VPN. Whether it's an IP VPN or IPsec VPN or MPFS VPN did not manage, but it was more a hub and spook model, right? To look at it from that perspective. Today, when you look at any CISO or anybody in the C-suite, one of the key themes in digital transformation is how can we improve our overall operating efficiency so that it results into more financial returns? And this is where more and more customers are going to look at zero trust network. It's great from a philosophy perspective to say, hey, I have a zero trust network because I have least privileges as a basic principle, and this is going to allow me to do certain things. But this particular core technology will continue to evolve. And this is the other dimension, which eventually will replace VPN, which means you're not going to be doing backhauling of the traffic. And in technical terms, today you could be sitting on your laptop or on your mobile device, and you could access any cloud service provider, whether it's Salesforce, whether it's Office 365. So you can clearly see that this particular technology is going to be very critical as we move forward. And you and me talked about the crown jewel being data, right? And as you look at securing the data, Every government across the world is going to come up with its own jurisdictional boundaries, which means who gets access to the data, how the data is accessed. Are there any governing principles that are going to make sure that the data resides in a particular jurisdiction? An employee could be mobile. It could be a German employee working out of North America, but I will have to honor the German local laws from a data jurisdiction perspective. So data security and data compliance is going to be extremely important in this heterogeneous connected world so that you want to provide information to the right employee, to the right user at the right time, but you cannot allow anyone to compromise the integrity of the data. The other area might be a little bit far-fetched. Five years, seven years back, one may not have thought about biometric authentication, Today, a lot of multi-factor authentication that exists will probably go through a bigger level of change. Fingerprints, iris scan, facial scan may become the norm of future. And you already see that on your mobile device. You're going to see a lot more proliferation of what's going to happen the next coming five to 10 years, or this may be even faster. So hopefully I've taken a very long shot based on what I believe is the trend in the security industry. These four or five things are absolutely going to be some of the objectives a lot of vendors are going to drive because the next generation workforce is going to be remote. And anytime you look at remote, you have to look at securing it today. No, fantastic. And I think these are pearls of wisdom. I must admit, though, when you reminded me of the dial-up VPN days, I went back to the nightmares of waiting for that dial-up to get through. 
and the we connect i i don't think i can go back to that world now so shifting gears a little bit right in the current role of cco you're responsible for the entire customer life cycle journey onboarding escalation support white glove treatment how are you leveraging digital in that life cycle are there any learnings from your school of hard knocks on it it's a very important question and i'm sure every cco has gone through their own scars in defining how to embed digital transformation ai as a part of the strategy i think fundamentally what i personally believe is let's look at the basics of any transformation right because when you look at customer life cycle which includes onboarding and many other facets of life cycle but there are five uh, critical pillars what i call as the five p's of the framework and they don't change no matter how many transformations you go to and i think the fundamental p that i believe is the people second is the process uh, third is the performance by itself fifth is the platform the last p is the product when i look at all these specific elements there is an opportunity to create significant amount of automation in each of these attributes in construct of how you define the life cycle you talked about right from an onboarding process today the traditional methodology is post getting the po you send an email to the customer which is basically initiated by a csm but as we look at the proliferation of ai this particular step can be completely automated in terms of how you integrate this from a systems perspective and that is where having a robust scalable highly integrated crm platform becomes the fundamental standing block and then based on top of that as you collect customer information as you collect the nuggets of the information for which your onboarding is critical you can use a lot of artificial intelligence generative ai capabilities and tools to send an automated email to the customer and that email can be well defined in terms of how you look at your cohort uh, of your install base a large strategic customer may be interested in a lot more uh, data points during the onboarding process example hey how do i connect with my csm hey what kind of governance you have do you have additional data points where you can talk about best practices and all of these can be just embedded as a part of your onboarding process when you just look from a pure automation perspective so this is just the first step and now when you look at the second cohort the second cohort is basically your long tail right customers that are extremely important because they are your run rate business but they are not those multi million dollar accounts so digital csm and the process of how a digital csm can create an onboarding process becomes a lot more critical now this is just onboarding that i've spoken from a success perspective but let me give you another example and this probably you and me have grown up through ranks we truly appreciate that a lot of information sits in our head we barely document everything and and store it in a central location but with the proliferation of knowledge management system concepts like kb intercept where before a case gets opened can i share you what are the possible symptoms and troubleshooting tips now the focus has to be more on how do we become smarter in this digital transformation there a lot of information that is in our heads can actually be moved into an unstructured or a structured data so that we can use tools to extract information 
bring in the core relationship and that allows us to quickly provide a just-in-time information uh, to the user who is expecting a timely response. I mean, everybody wants instant gratification, unfortunately. We are all in this digital age where as soon as I call in, I need somebody to respond to me, give me the right uh, level of response so that I'm happy with it. Our level of patience has, has deteriorated in this digital world, which is unfortunate. But as I look at the transformation, we still have to focus on how the life cycle is going to give two specific outcomes, a technical outcome and a business outcome. A technical outcome from a customer perspective is all about creating value on consumption, adoption, making sure how to incorporate those best cases. We are right now evaluating chat GPT and other tools to just create that internal operating efficiency so that I can provide just-in-time information first to my internal stakeholders, and that will ultimately have a richer experience uh, from a customer perspective. So that's how I look at it, both from an onboarding and uh, from a tactical perspective. There are many areas where we are contemplating using AI and other capabilities in product supportability. That product itself becomes a lot more intelligent in terms of even capturing when if there is a problem with a particular module, can I restart the module and can I get a crash dump and automatically send it to my engineering? Those are a lot of things that we are looking through across the whole spectrum from a customer lifecycle perspective. Got it really deep. And just to make sure our listeners remember the five P's, people, process, performance, platform, and product. I think one of the things you were hitting, Abe, we are seeing at Photon as well is this you called it instant gratification, knowing what I need to do, those kind of things. We are calling it hyper-personalization, but we are seeing a lot of clients in different industries really using data, AI to figure out how to really be hyper-personalized with their clients. Yep, that is absolutely right. And that personalization is coming from the consumer space because you have the opportunity to customize your cell phone, for example, to meet to your requirements. So that's given. That's a great point. We could go on hours for this, Abhay, but a little bit of a cliche question. What you do now, what guidance or advice would you have for yourself in the earlier part of your career? And how should people who are thinking about a career in CS or customer success think about it now? What key digital skills might play into it given where we are today? That's a great question, Deepak. And it required a lot of introspection for myself as well. But I'll start with some few fundamentals. I think first, it's a very important to be very open and go with an open mind so that you're able to really define and understand what's in it for me and then make sure that your passion aligns. At the end of the day, support is a firefighting job. You're dealing with frustrated customers. And my analogy has always been, it's like a doctor sitting in an emergency room where every patient that comes in wants to be treated first, no matter what the severity is. And we deal with these kinds of things. So having that highest level of emotional intelligence is immensely critical because you're dealing with people. You're dealing with people's frustration about the product, about the service. So during my early days, I wish uh, I had truly understood the essence of uh, how I develop my emotional intelligence. A lot of focus has been put on the technical questions, we look at specifically customer success, where the focus is all about creating the raving fans of, for example, say Sky High or any other company 
how you connect with the customer is immensely critical, which means your communication skills, your consultative skills, understanding how you're going to create that aha moment. And there are going to be challenges. I mean, we all have been in this industry for a long time. I don't think there is something called as a perfect software or a perfect product. But even during those tough times, how do you navigate the customer so that they can clearly see that every step in the way, they have someone to count on and that someone is basically driving them to the path of resolution. Second important data point that that I have always believed in is that as a personality and as you continue to move into a leadership, being humble and authentic is equally important because at the end of the day, people come and work with you, for you is because of your leadership skills and how they see you as a very authentic personality and that there's no difference between Abhi sitting in a bar and having a glass of scotch with them or working in a boardroom talking about strategy and presenting numbers. They need to see that authentic personality. And for a lot of folks that are young in their careers, I always share with them my pillars, what I call as I have developed my own Bible and I've been very thankful to a lot of people that have contributed to my success. I had been given mentors from a lot of folks. I'm not going to name the companies, but throughout my career, I've worked with large and small companies, P firms, VC firms, public companies. And I've been very fortunate that I worked with people that have given me the right direction. I also have been very fortunate that everyone has a lot of friends, but there are very true friends that are interested in your success who are going to give you that critical feedback. So have friends, but have one good friend who can give you that critical feedback so that when you look at the Bible, for example, in my case, uh, my Bible had these excellences. Number one, start with people. People excellence is important. And as I was growing up and moving into leadership, I will share a quote that uh, my mother shared with me that, There cannot be a king without a kingdom, which means if you want to be a king, you need to have a kingdom. You need to have a services mentality. You have to help your people to become successful. That is how people are going to follow you as a leaders. Yes, you can bring in the operational rigor, but at the end of the day, you are in people business. How you treat them with respect, politeness is ultimately going to create whether this is the right leader. People will not remember you for how good you were in finance or how good you were in strategy, but people will remember what good you have done for them. So people excellence is is a number one pillar. The second area that I always focused on is technical excellence. You are as good as what you can share with your customers in terms of driving problem resolution or providing consultative approach in terms of best practices and so on and so forth. Third important piece, which I've always believed is financial excellence. I know a lot of tech people do not like finance, but ultimately we are in the world of finance. Understanding how to read a balance sheet, understanding what it means by TCV versus ARR or customer acquisition cost or bookings and revenue is equally important. And then fourth piece of the puzzle, as you get your own scars, as you get your own stripes, you're going to learn a lot of things on process and strategy because these are the things that cannot be taught you in a business school. These are the things that you have to experience and every experience allows you to grow as a person. And as long as you go with an open mind, a can-do attitude, you are absolutely passionate about 
what you're doing, you can make a big success, specifically in the areas where you're focused on customer success. And Deepak, I'll share with you a quick story which has resonated with me. And I've often asked this question, why do we have so many marathon runners from South Africa? After doing some research, there's a Canadian author called Alex Hutchinson, and he wrote the book called Endure. And those of you who are going to listen to this podcast, please go through that book. What it tells is that everybody has tenacity and perseverance. But how many people are going to go that extra last mile and endure that pain? So what is your pain threshold to go and exceed your passion, to exceed your true north? And that is something uh, that's resonated with, with me, that do you have the power of endurance uh, so that every step in the success, you are able to go above and beyond in spite of the pain that you're enduring. And business has got its ups and downs. We all know that. And to me, that's the opportunity. So hopefully I've given you some good data points and I'm, I'm, I hope that will resonate with a lot of our listeners as well. No, I was taking a lot of notes while you were talking about pearls of wisdom. I love the endure part, like the tenacity is there, but who takes it to the next thing? I also like the aspect of start with people, but remember there are no queens or kings without a kingdom, right? You need it as you go. And the financial excellence is something that is very core to the heart of Photon DNA as well. You find our co-founders and the C-suite is very, very heavily focused on that at all points in time. So that's like an underlying theme that drives us daily when we come to work. So really appreciate that. Fantastic. I know we'll come up on our time, but last but not the least, just for some fun, can you think back of a moment in time, personal or professional, when it hit you that digital is really changing the world or is going to change the world? Yeah, absolutely. To me, it's like when I moved three plus decades back, calling India was the most painful process, right? You had to use AT&T, which was the only provider. And at that point in time, we didn't have cell phones. So getting that first huge Motorola big phone to me was the biggest transformation that today I could call my parents and speak to them 10,000 miles apart. And that's stuck with me for a very long time because in the initial days, using a toll-free number and then connect to another number in India, the whole process was very expensive. You had to be at home. No mobile device at that point in time. Those were good old phones that were connected to a wall. And the longest you could take is probably about six or seven feet. That change that happened was when I got my first uh, Motorola phone. And it was super exciting to see that, one, I could connect with anyone. And second, it was very easy now to ensure that whether I am in my home, whether I'm driving, wherever I am, it was the first time where I went through this gratification that it's like just in time, I can call anyone and anyone can call me. And that to me was the most exciting time of seeing that how mobile networking, how this entire transformation that's happening in the digital world is going to shape the future. And then, of course, the rest is history today. We cannot even live without mobile phones. Our lives are actually dependent on it. I think we have taken it to the other extreme. But that, to me, was the biggest change for me. Coming from 
uh, India where we did not even have phones in every house. And all of a sudden, when you come to this country, you get your first mobile phone. It was a very gratifying moment in my life. It was a humbling experience as well. And it really teaches you a lot of things, certain certain things we take for granted. And there are a lot many people that do not even have access to some of these basic things. And that's what uh, one of the teachings is. As we go through this transformation globally, there is there are many countries, uh, many people around the world who don't even have basics. And we do not express so much gratitude to what we have today. Uh, sometimes we are all in that rat race. Uh, but that was a great experience for me in terms of my early career of how this particular digital transformation, just uh, having a cell phone in the hand was just a positive move. Wow. You've taken me back a lot today, Bay, and I'm sure some of our listeners will experience that as well. I know we are coming up on time, so really thank you. I think a fantastic discussion. Appreciate your time. And I'm sure the listeners may have more things that they come back with, we'll connect on. From cordless digital moment of transformation to boundaryless today, maybe the quote of the day for us. Once again, I want to thank you very much, Abhay, for all the time and the insights. And for our listeners, feel free to listen to this on any media of your choice, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcast or anything else. And stay tuned. Once again, Digital Strategy Unlocked and looking forward to more. Have a great day for everyone. Abey, thanks a lot for everything. Uh, thank you, Deepak. It's been a pleasure and look forward to such opportunities to share more and learn more from the team as well. Thank you so much.